Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. say Jonah on the count of three. One, two, three. Jonah. You know, it's interesting. Jonah is a a character in the Bible, and he's more than a character. He was a real person. He was a prophet from God. What's interesting is that we can all relate to Jonah simply because we've all been guilty of doing what Jonah was guilty of. And what's interesting is that when you think about this guy by the name of Jonah, he was a guy who was on the run. He was running from God. He was running, in fact, the opposite direction from God when it comes to what God had specifically asked him to do. And here's what's interesting. We all can relate to this. We all can maybe relate to the fact that at some point or another, we have sensed the voice of God speaking to us. Maybe it was a gentle whisper, that still small voice, that gentle nudge in our heart. Perhaps for some of us, you know, maybe we were reading something in God's Word and we just really sense a leading. Maybe we heard a message, you know, maybe like you're hearing today, where the Spirit of God just speaks to your heart. And through the Word of the Lord, you know in your heart you're supposed to do something. You're supposed to take action. Maybe you're sensing the Lord's leading to go a certain direction. And even though you hear the word of the Lord and you know the truth and you know that God is leading you to do certain things, for whatever reason, you choose not to. Maybe for whatever reason, we just choose to neglect or ignore the very thing that we hear God speaking to us about. That's the story of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. He said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. And here is a very clear, very specific assignment where God told this prophet Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh, which happened to be the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which also had a reputation of being one of the most wicked cities, one of the most wicked groups of people on planet Earth at the time. Everybody feared the Assyrians. Everybody was overwhelmed when they heard the stories of the things that the people of Assyria did to their enemies. And so this city known as the city of Nineveh was living a a godless, a wicked life and lifestyle and decisions and choices they were making. And as a result, their sinfulness, their wickedness was right in front of God to the point to where God said, I'm going to send one of my prophets and he's going to proclaim the truth to this nation. Well, upon learning of God's assignment for Jonah and Jonah realizing who the people were, And by the way, Israel hated the Assyrians. In fact, the whole world hated them because of their reputation. And so it was one of Israel's worst enemies. And so the very thought that 
Jonah was being asked or assigned to go to the great city of Nineveh, he instantly stood up, if you will, in his spirit and his heart toward God and said, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go to a place called Tarshish. And so the Bible teaches us, we learned last week, in fact, if you didn't get last week, I encourage you to listen to our podcast, go to our YouTube channel, channel watch the whole you know, message so that you can get the context of chapter one. But we learned that in this moment of Jonah running from God's assignment, ignoring what it was that God was asking him to do, he finds a, jo- finds a boat, he gets on this boat, a ship rather, and he sets sail going to this place known as Tarshish, the opposite direction from Nineveh, some 2,500 miles away from the original target destination that God had assigned Jonah to. So he takes off from this ship, and it's a large cargo ship, and Jonah's on board with these sailors, and, and so this great storm came upon the sea, and And so through this situation, Jonah was down below. He was asleep when God sent this great storm. Well, the sailors are freaking out. And not only are they freaking out, they begin to cry out to their little G gods asking for help, asking for, in a desperate plea, for for for, for their gods, so to speak, to save them from this horrific storm. So in this moment, Jonah's down below below the deck, asleep. The sailors are trying to unload cargo. They're trying to do anything and everything they can to survive. When the captain of the ship goes down below, finds Jonah sleeping, wakes him up, and he says, hurry, start praying to your God because there's a raging storm. And so they go back upstairs, go back on the main deck. The sailors decided that somebody is guilty of causing this storm. So they start casting lots, kind of like throwing dice, and wouldn't you know it, it falls upon Jonah. And Jonah happened to be the one who confesses his guilt and says, this entire storm is my fault. I brought this upon us. Well, in this moment, you would think these sailors would be ticked off, but they actually showed a little bit of mercy and compassion. They did everything they could to try to make their way back to land, but the storm was so fierce that they couldn't do it. And then Jonah finally spoke up and he said, if you would just throw me overboard, God will calm the storm. And in this moment, Jonah knew that he was guilty of something that was causing others to suffer in the process. And here's what I want to share with you. Because just like Jonah, when he was thrown overboard, I'm convinced that there are a lot of people, even in this room today, who can relate to Jonah in the fact that maybe there are some decisions that you've made in your life, I know I have, where you thought to yourself, you know what, because of my decisions, because of poor choices I've made, because of some things that I've done, I'm kind of reaping what I had coming to me. You know, I'm kind of going through some difficult situations. I'm, I'm kind of going through some hard times right now. And I think the reason for the hard times, I think the reason for the, the difficulties that I'm experiencing in my life is because of the problems that I've brought upon myself. Now, I'm going to 
build on that thought a little bit more here in just a second, but let me just say this. I think sometimes when things aren't going well and we have this mindset that, you know, I've made some mistakes. I have experienced firsthand the consequences for some of my wrong choices, maybe a lifestyle that I used to live or things that I used to do, things that I've been guilty of. I think sometimes in our mind, we pretty much believe or accept the thought or the lie that, you know what, because I've made some mistakes and because I've dropped the ball in some areas of my life, God has turned his back on me. God has kind of like washed his hands from me. God is finished with me. In other words, God has kind of like thrown me overboard and therefore I kind of deserve whatever it is that I'm going through. And the problem with that mindset and the problem with that kind of belief when it comes to believing that lie, which is exactly what the enemy, the devil, wants you to believe. Because the moment we allow our mind and our heart to go there, to believe the lies, that God has turned his back, that God has forsaken us, that God has washed his hands from us, that God has finished with us, that God has thrown us overboard, the moment we believe those lies are the very times when we end up making even more bad decisions. That's why a lot of people will run to alcohol. They'll run to a promiscuous lifestyle. They'll run to a lifestyle of drugs. They'll run to prescription medications. They'll run to anything and everything to escape from the guilt, the shame, the remorse, all of the negative stuff that comes from our bad decisions. But I want everybody to lock eyes on me. I want you to lean in. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, because you need to hear this today. You ready? Y'all leaning in? Listen very carefully what I'm about to say. Your future is not defined by your past. Are you hearing me today? Your future is not defined by your past. The devil wants you to believe that lie. The devil wants you to believe, oh, you deserve every bit of that guilt and shame and, and remorse. And yeah, man, I'd drink if I were you. Yeah, I would pop those pills if I were you because of what you've done. <laughs> yeah, man, God's, God's actually letting, letting you loose. You know, I mean, he's, he's kind of just turned his back on you and he's, he's finished with you. No, that's a lie. Your future is not defined by your past. This is not in your notes, but Colossians, I love what Colossians 2 verse 14 says. Paul said, and he reminded us that Jesus canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, nailed your sin and my sin to the cross? So therefore, we can stop nailing ourselves to the cross. 
We don't have to live with a spirit of condemnation and shame and rejection and disapproval for the rest of our lives. Why? Because Jesus Christ nailed our sins, our past, our mistakes, our wrongdoings. He nailed it all to the cross. That simply means yesterday ended last night. Tomorrow's pages are blank. That means today we have a new beginning because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's a God of second chances. So no matter who you are, what you've been through, what you've encountered in the past, mistakes you've made, we've all made mistakes. Why? Because the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. The Bible says we've all sinned. We have all sinned and come short of God's perfect standard, his holy, pure standard. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. So the story of Jonah, in many ways, is kind of like a foreshadowing of what was to come in the New Testament where God rescued us. What did God do? God saw us drowning in our sin. God saw us basically thrown overboard because of sin, but yet rather than allowing us to stay there, what did God do? God reached down and he picked us up. How did he do that? He did that by initiating his love, by rescuing us, by giving his one and only son, Jesus, to die, to be placed into a tomb. And notice, for how many days? For three days. And on the third day, Jesus Christ came back to life. And that's exactly what this picture and this story tells us. And so in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, but notice carefully... But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So put yourself in Jonah's situation. Man, you talk about man versus wild. You talk about, you talk about kind of an eerie situation being thrown overboard. You're in this raging sea and all of a sudden this giant fish just comes and like, swallows you up you're in the belly of this gigantic fish and now all of a sudden God's got your attention right all of a sudden it's like uh uh-oh what did I do now well God has your complete undivided attention and so there are four things that I just want to quickly share with you some lessons that I think we can pull out of this story as we unpack chapter 2 in Jonah chapter 2 today. And here's what I want you to write down if you take notes. Number one is that no matter where you are, you can call upon God. No matter where you are, doesn't matter whether you're in a bar, doesn't matter whether you're by yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're in your classroom at school, doesn't matter whether you're in a boardroom at work, it, it doesn't matter whether you're driving down the road, it doesn't matter what your situation, where you are, what the circumstances are, you need to understand that we can all call upon God no matter where we are. In Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 is where we pick it up. So from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. So you can only imagine when Jonah needed God the most and yet deserved him the least, Jonah called upon the Lord. 
And I think there are some of you here today, you need to do the exact same thing. You know, it's crazy how we'll work on trying to fix our own problems, right? You know, it's amazing. You can go to, you know, YouTube and do a little, you know, DIY on fixing whatever problem you got. Michelle and I, for the last 10 days, we have been uh, trying to figure out our smoke detectors, smoke detectors, which are also carbon monoxide detectors, kind of like a little combo thing, one and, you know, two things in one. Well, man, these things have been going off nonstop throughout the night. We put new batteries in them. Super long story short, even with new batteries, they kept beeping, going off during the night. And so finally went and replaced all of our smoke detectors. And of course, I'm an idiot. I don't read directions. And so I just, you know, try to figure it out on my own. And so Michelle, after my frustration, about 30 minutes trying to figure out how in the world do you do this, what does she do? She goes to YouTube. And she learned how to fix our problem. And it's crazy. We live in this world where everybody's trying to fix their own problems, right? You know, you go through a situation or you face some circumstances in your life and you just try to figure it all out on your own. Going through a marriage difficulty, you know, you start throwing money at counselors. I'm not against counselors. counselors. In fact, I highly recommend them. But sometimes we'll throw money at a counselor, we'll throw money at this, we'll throw money at that, we'll try this, we'll try that. And the problem is, is that sometimes our mindset and our attitude is, is let's do everything we can, and if all else fails, let's pray. Well, prayer should never be your last response. It should always be our first response. It should never be your last resort. It's kind of like the... The guy who, uh, he was the pastor of this small town church. And he had learned that there was a, a bar that had just opened up a short distance from the church. The pastor's freaking out. He said, we can't have a bar. We can't have this honky-tonk bar where all these people are going to come down the street from our church. So he called a prayer gathering with his people of his church. And so, man, 24-7, they started, they started just praying against this bar and this bar owner. And, and they were just praying against it. He said, let's just pray. We'll put them out of business. And so, man, day after day, 24-7, they had these prayer vigils going. And, man, they were praying up a storm. They were praying that bar that it would go out of business. And all of a sudden, a few days after these people were praying, guess what happened? lightning struck this bar and literally burned it down. You know what the bar owner did? He sued the church. So the bar owner, he sued the church. And so here's the pastor and here's the bar owner. They go before the judge. They're both kind of sharing their side of the story. And the, and the judge, after hearing both testimonies, he kind of says, this is very interesting to me. Because the bar owner was accusing the church and the pastor of praying the prayers that caused his bar to burn down. It was struck by lightning. And the pastor kept interrupting and saying, no, 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 no. Those, those prayers didn't really mean anything. Those were just small prayers. And the judge said, you know, he said, it's interesting to me. After hearing both sides and both testimonies, he said, we got a bar owner, bar owner over here who actually believes in the power of prayer, and we got a pastor over here who doesn't. 
And so I think that's where a lot of us are. I think we get to these situations and circumstances. We're trying to figure things out. We try to fix our own problems. Rather than going to God and saying, God, I need you. God, when I need you the most and I deserve you least in this moment, as I am stuck in the middle of the belly of a well, God, I need you now more than ever. That's exactly what Jonah did. In fact, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, it says, From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You know, that word grave is actually translated the word sheol, which is also the same word as hell. So in this moment, you see Jonah, who's literally, as from his perspective, caught in the middle of a storm, swallowed up by this giant fish. He's living hell. And yet he cries out to the Lord. He said, in my distress, it's interesting that same word distress is translated the kind of tension or stress physically that a woman goes through while going through the the delivery process of giving birth. And so here he is in this painful, stressful moment, literally in the middle of hell from his perspective. And what does he do? He cries out for help. I love the story of Corrie ten Boone. She and her family were uh, known for rescuing uh, Jews who, uh, during World War II, during the the Nazi uh, the Nazi regime, and you know Jew, Jews were you know being um, put to death, and and so as a result, they were rescuing these Jews, and they were hiding them in their home, and and of course you know through the whole situation and the circumstances that were unfolding, the Nazis finally learned. What was happening that they were hiding these Jews in their home. And of course, they, all ar- they were all arrested and thrown into prison. And Corrie ten Boone was known for this incredible book that she wrote. And she actually was also known for this statement. And it goes like this. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And there are some of us listening today, and you've tried everything, but maybe you feel like God has turned his back on you. Maybe you feel like God has washed his hands, he's thrown you overboard, and he's done, he's finished. I just need you to know today that the truth is, God's not finished. Listen, God has not turned his back, he's not washed his hands, if anything, God wants you in the middle of your hell, whatever it is, in the middle of your pain, your distress, whatever that might look like, whatever it is you're going through, now that he's got your undivided attention, if anything, God just wants you to know that he is right where he has always been. And we can call on him. We can cry out to him for help. That's why I love what Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, and this is again not in your notes, but here's what it says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So today maybe that's what you need to do is you need to go boldly to God and say, God, 
I am finding myself in the middle of the belly of a fish. God, I am, I am at the deepest, the lowest of lows, the deepest point in my life. And God, I need you now, even though I don't deserve it. So we need to understand, number one, is that no matter where we are, you can call upon God. Number two, this is so important. And by the way, we are as close to God as we choose to be. As we choose to be. But number two, God disciplines those he loves. You know, at this point in the story, God not only gets Jonah's attention, but here's the thing. He begins to realize that Jonah has brought a lot upon himself. He's the one who rebelled against God. He's the one who not only heard from God, but he chose to go the opposite direction because he chose to do what he wanted to do, to do what was right in his own eyes. In fact, he rationalized and he justified, hey, those people of Nineveh, they don't deserve God. And yet he took matters in his own hands and he chose to disobey God. How many times are we guilty of doing the same thing? In fact, in Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, it says it this way. Jonah said, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, but you, God, brought my life up from the pit, oh Lord, my God. Let me tell you something. When God allows us to go through the pain and the distress and the suffering or the hell on earth, just to put it frankly, when we go through those situations and those circumstances, not only is it God's way of getting our attention, but God may also placing us in situations and circumstances to see what we're going to do. Are we willing to trust God even when we don't understand what God is telling us to do? Are we willing to put our faith in God even though it doesn't make sense? We can either try to do it on our own or we can surrender and we can simply go to God and say, God, I need you. Now, here's the thing. We can either stop stop trying to try to figure things out or we can start trusting and allow God to do what he knows is best for our lives. And it's just like a father or a mother who disciplines their children. Why do we allow them to experience the pain of discipline? I'm afraid that today's generation of parents, they haven't bought into the discipline aspect. It's like, no, 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 no. We just want to give everybody trophies. Everybody wins. No, not everybody wins. When we disobey God, when we step outside of God's will, his plan, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will, guess what? When we step outside of those boundaries and we live according to what we think is right to do what we want to do well guess what god may say okay have it your way let's see how all this works out but what we have to realize is that sometimes god allows us to experience the pain and the suffering why 
so that we will stop and we will surrender and we will come to him. It's kind of like the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? He said, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. Hey, God, hey, Dad, I want you to give me an advance for the inheritance that, that, that you, know, you owe me. And I want to go, go ahead now, and I want my money, and I want to go do my deal. It's exactly what he did. We all know how that, how, that, how that ended up, right? He found himself in the middle of a pig's pen after he lost everything, wasted everything. And he finally came to his senses, the scripture says. And he finally said, you know what? Hey, the, 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 the servants back at home got it better than me. And what did he do? He got up, he went back to his house, but guess who was there waiting? Guess who was anxiously already anticipating the arrival of his son to return? It was the father, and he sees his son from a distance, and guess who initiated the response? The father runs to the son, and what did he do? He embraced him. We need to understand that that's what God is waiting for us to do. And sometimes we have to find ourselves in the middle of the belly of a fish or in the middle of a pig's pen when it couldn't get any worse. When God says, are you willing to trust me now? Are you willing to obey me now? Are you willing to follow my plans now? We need to know that God disciplines those he loves. Number three, repentance always leads to right living. One of my favorite stories is the story of the father and the son, the dad. He was a guy who was just engrossed in his work and came home one day and he had so much going, so many projects, so many deadlines, just a lot of pressure that had been placed upon him from his work. And his little boy had been waiting all day for his dad to come home so they could play. And on this particular evening when the dad got home, his little boy, he was all ready to go outside and play. And the dad told his son, he said, son, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm too busy right now. And the little boy just kept saying, come on, dad, you promised, you promised. And the father apologized, he said, son, I'm sorry, I just have way too much to do. I can't play right now. Of course, the little boy was discouraged and dejected. And, but the little boy kind of just sat outside his dad's study, hoping that his dad would hurry up and get finished so they could go play. And the father noticed his little boy outside the, the door of his office and he started feeling guilty. But he saw a newspaper out of the corner of his eye and this newspaper had a picture of the world on it. And so he thought to himself, well, this will help keep my little boy entertained for a little while. I'll just kind of create like a little homemade puzzle. And so what he did is he took that newspaper that had that picture of the globe, the world on it, and he just tore it up in multiple places and he gave it to his little boy. He said, hey, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I got a little bit more work I need to do, but while we're waiting, he said, you see if you can put this puzzle together. He said, there's a picture of the world. See if you can put that world back together. Well, there are all kinds of pieces. And all of a sudden that little boy, he began to realize that on the back side of this picture that had been torn apart was the picture of a man. So a little boy began to connect the dots. And so what he did, rather than focusing on putting the world back together, he started putting the man back together. And within a matter of moments, this little boy, he had actually conquered that homemade puzzle. Within minutes, he took that 
newspaper, after he had kind of scotch taped it, put it all together, he took it back to his dad, and his dad was blown away how quickly his son had put that homemade puzzle back together. And the father said, son, how in the world did you put that together so quickly? And the little boy said, well, dad, it was easy. I realized that on the back side of the world, there was a man. He said, so I just focused on the man. He said, when I got the man right, I got the world right. And I think that's what God oftentimes is trying to help us understand. Listen, our world has been falling apart. Our world has maybe come crashing down. We, we've made some bad decisions. Maybe we have drifted spiritually in our lives, morally in our lives. Maybe we have outright rebelled. We've just run from God doing our own thing. And what God wants us more than anything, maybe he's allowed some of the difficulties, the hardships, the pain, maybe some of those consequences that we have brought upon ourselves. Maybe God has allowed some of that to happen so that he can get our full undivided attention. And when we do, we have a choice. Because remember, we are as close to God as we choose to be. Maybe in that moment, what God is saying is that, hey, I want you to come to me. I want you to get yourself right. Because when you get you right, guess what? You can get your world right. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, Jonah said, when my life was ebbing away, what did he do? He said, I remembered you, O Lord. And my prayer rose to you to your holy temple remember Jonah was a prophet and in the middle of a belly of a fish through the distress the hell that he had brought upon himself the storm that he had caused because of his rebellion running from God he cries out to God and he said, when my life was wasting away, when my life was going the opposite direction, when my life was miserable, I cried out to you, O Lord. Jonah, because he was a prophet, switched his tone in the middle of this major lesson that he was learning. And here's what he said in Jonah 2, verse 8. He said, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What Jonah was saying is that, hey, don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Don't follow the path that I followed. It cost me greatly. I traded what I thought was going to be freedom for bondage. That's what we often do. We often will trade what we think is going to work out good or what we think is best. We, we trade for whatever it is that we want to do. It could be pleasures. It, you know, it, it could be you know, whatever fantasies. It could be you know, money. It could be ambition. It could be you know, newer, better, greater things. It, whatever, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, a lot of us trade in all of that stuff. Rather than having the favor and the mercy of God at work on our lives. I would rather have the favor and the mercy of God resting on my life any day than anything that the world can give me. The fourth lesson we learn is this. 
God's forgiveness brings new beginnings. Aren't you thankful for that? That when we come to God, and by the way, that's what repentance is. Repentance is a picture of our life going in a certain direction, doing what seems right, doing what is right in our own eyes, living the way we want to live. But repentance actually means a change of direction. It's a change of our mind, the way we think, the way we've been thinking. We say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. We do a 180 and we change course and we move back toward God. We follow his plans and his purposes, his ways, his will. That's repentance. Repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. No, repentance is having godly sorrow that we broke the heart of God. God, you were right. You were right all along. God, you were right because you had a plan and you had a purpose. You had a good and a pleasing and a perfect will for my life. And I'm the one that screwed it up. God, I was wrong. God, you were right. God, I'm a sinner. God, you are holy. God, you're pure. I'm impure. God, you're perfect, but I'm imperfect. And aren't you grateful? God's mercies are fresh and new each and every day because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He nailed our sins to the cross. He canceled the, canceled the record of our debt that was held against us. Therefore, we can have a new beginning. We can change the direction of our life. We can have a but God moment in our marriage, a but God moment in our personal life, a, a but God moment, maybe in our financial situation, a but God moment in our physical challenges or setbacks, a, a failed relationship or friendship, or whatever the situations or circumstances are, maybe what we need to do is get out of the way that's causing the issues and invite God, the healer, to come in and to rescue us, to change a marriage, to change a destiny, to make a way where there doesn't appear to be a way like we sang earlier, to be a light in our darkness, to be what we need even though we don't deserve it, but in our distress, in our greatest time of need, when we need it the most, we say, God, I'm yours. I'm all in. I'm tired of living my way. I want to start living your way. And when we do that, it's amazing what God can do. But God, but God can change the trajectory of our lives. And that's exactly what God did and in this moment of repentance, what did God do? God literally allowed that fish to spit Jonah upon the shore. 
we'll pick up that part next week that you don't want to miss. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I just want to say that in this room today and even those that are watching online, maybe some of you have heard the voice of the Lord and maybe it hasn't been as radical or drastic as what we've been talking about, what we've been learning through Jonah's circumstances, but maybe you've just been sensing that God is trying to get your attention, that God is speaking to you about something. And maybe there are some things you need to stop doing today. And maybe there are some things you need to start doing. Maybe there are some things in your life that you need to let go of. Trade those things instead for God's favor and God's mercy. And I just want to say that if you're a follower of Jesus, you know Jesus as your Savior today, but maybe you've allowed yourself to drift. Maybe you've backslidden. You know, the story of the prodigal in some ways relates both to the believer and to the non-believer. Maybe you have drifted. You've kind of been doing your own thing, but it's time to come back home. Others of you, maybe you've just have hardened your heart toward God and you know what, you said, I, I, I'm not into the whole Jesus thing, church thing, God thing. I, that's just not my thing. But life has not been what you hoped it would be. And you're empty. Maybe you're at a place of being miserable, confused, frustrated. And maybe now that God's got your attention, maybe what he wants more than anything is for you just to let go give him a chance just open up your heart that's what Jonah did he said salvation comes from the Lord not from anything that he did we can't work our way to God we can't be good enough to earn God's approval it's only through his son Jesus Christ who died for our sin who came back to life where we put our faith and our trust in him for our salvation and our forgiveness. And if that's you today, maybe you're online watching and your need today, once and for all, is to put your faith in Jesus. Would you be willing to pray this prayer and allow God to change you from the inside out starting today? Just say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to, to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one's looking. If you prayed that prayer, would you let me know? Would you just hold up your hand high toward heaven today saying, hey, count me in. I just prayed that prayer and I'm ashamed to admit it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your honesty. Maybe you prayed that prayer with us online. Maybe you just need to click that little raised hand button. If you're watching on, the, on our website or maybe just put in the chat there, I decided. Just put the words, I decided. 
Father, thank you that you never turn your back on us, that you don't ever wash your hands from us, that you never give up on us. God, thank you that no matter where we are, no matter how hard or complex or complicated life gets, that we can call upon you. Thank you, Father, that you're a merciful God, a good God, a gracious God, that you are the God of second chances and new beginnings today. We thank you for that. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's give God a shout of praise. Can we do that? Well, I just want to say uh, today, if you prayed that prayer uh, and you invited Christ into your life for the very first time, I just want to say congratulations. I have a little booklet that we have, I put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. It just outlines um, some things that will be very, very helpful to answer some spiritual questions you have, kind of walks you through some next steps in your spiritual journey. In fact, there's even a little 30-day uh, reading plan on the back of that that help you kind of just through the life of Jesus. You can just start reading your Bible through the life of Christ. It's a great little reading tool. We'd love to give you a copy of that. Uh, so here's what you can do. Uh, if you're in the room today, you can just fill out our Connect card and uh, turn that in at our Next Steps table on your way out today. Uh, we'd love to give you a free Bible. We'd love to give you one of those little booklets and just personally congratulate you. And then also, you can also uh, online, if you're watching, you can do the very thing there by just uh, typing in, I decided, we'll send you a digital version of that. You can also text the words, I decided, and uh, we can get that same information to you. But either way, I just want to encourage you to let us know. And we want to come alongside and encourage you and affirm you and help you in every way we possibly can. And then another thing too is um, just so you know, in light of all the recent curveballs and pivots and adjustments we've had to make over the last month, um, we are not going to the beach today for beach baptism like we have had originally planned. Instead, we're going to be having our next baptism right here the second Sunday of November. And it's going to be a great day to celebrate. And so I would encourage you to take that next step in your spiritual journey. It's so, so important. And then we're going to uh, prepare our hearts today as we conclude our time together by giving our tithe, giving our resources. And maybe this is an area in our life where we kind of fall into the trap of relating to Jonah, where God says, here's what I want you to do. Here's why I want you to do it. I want you to be under the umbrella of my grace, favor, mercy on your life. Trust me in this. Let me show you that I'm going to take care of you and provide for you. I'm going to bless you if you'll simply obey. Maybe this is an area where we kind of hear from the Lord, but we say, no, nah, I'm going to do this instead. Maybe that's what's holding us back. And so today, I just want to encourage you, take whatever next step that you need to take. And I want to encourage you, let's be faithful in this area of our lives. Be obedient in this area of our life through our giving, through the tithe that we bring to the Lord, that we return to the Lord as our, work, as our act of worship. And then I just want to say one last thing here before we take our offering today and receive our offering. I just want to say thank you as a church family. You have responded like you always do. You went above and beyond, obviously with the recent hurricane and all the devastation that's taken place because of Hurricane Ian. 
we asked and we threw it out there to folks who wanted to give towards the relief efforts over and above our regular giving. And you stepped up in a big way. To date, we have now given $4,482 toward the hurricane relief efforts. And so uh, thank you, thank you. We've given to uh, an organization called Samaritan's Purse, an organization called Convoy of Hope. They're an incredible organization, very similar to a, a Samaritan's Purse, but they're also very niche oriented in the needs that they meet and how they go about meeting those needs. And then we also gave to a church right in the heart of Fort Myers called Next Level Church. And uh, Pastor Keller there is a dear friend and their church is actually operating on many levels as ground zero for a lot of these organizations to kind of uh, station for all of the supplies and the relief efforts that are taking place. And so that whole area, as you know, has been devastated. And uh, I'm grateful that a church like ours can be the hands and the feet and the hope and the help of Jesus, amen, when it matters the most. So I just wanna say thank you for your faithfulness, for your generosity going above and beyond. Well, let's all stand to our feet. I'm gonna pray over our offering. Our ushers are gonna come. Our prayer leaders will be down here at the front if you need some additional prayer today. And we're gonna worship as we give. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, we give back to you today because you first gave to us. God, we love you. We honor you today. Lord, we celebrate your goodness in Jesus' name. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.